I failed a lot. Um, and I failed a lot by taking actions and taking a lot of actions and not knowing if the actions were right or not. And just making decisions and making choices and then making more decisions and making choices and tweaking. Hey entrepreneurs, are you running around multitasking, always rushing to get to the next thing, working insane hours like I did for years? Listen, one day I nearly electrocuted myself because I was in such a rush. It was the wake-up call that I needed. I had subscribed to the old way of doing things, grinding it out, thinking long hours and hard work was just me paying my dues. I was wrong and it was costing me. I finally realized it was the things I implemented right now that gave me the biggest results in my business. So the big question is, what should you be doing right now in your business? Well, this podcast will give you the answer. Join me on my journey as we have real conversations about struggles, successes, and tips. No glory, just the raw goods and fascinating conversation so we can get you to your next win now. Hey everyone, it is now your business and this is Chris Ward. I am super excited. We have another amazing guest. This week we have the Heather Ann Havenwood, an award-winning world-class speaker, award-winning medal mogul. She has been crowned Miss Texas Elite 2020 Woman of Achievement, is the creator and founder of Influencer Growth Formula, top Amazon bookseller from her book, Sexy Boss, nationally syndicated radio host show of Like a Boss. I was lucky enough to be on it. And Insights with Influencers, named by Huffington Post as top female entrepreneur to watch, founder of Female Business Association, and now is the chief sexy boss. She helps brands, businesses, and influencers on best strategies to dominate their industry by being omnipresent online through strategic content marketing and high-ticket sales strategies to close the right clients anytime they want. She is regarded as a top authority on podcast marketing, influencer messaging, and high-ticket sales closing and leveraging LinkedIn. Welcome to the show. That is a mouthful, Heather. I always say, who the heck are you talking about? (laughs) Thank you so much. Because I always like when you hear your own bio, Chris, you go like, who are they talking about? (laughs) I do. I do that all the time. Like, oh, that sounds like a cool person. Yeah, I want to be here when I grow up. And right. I am. Oh, yes. that is me. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Okay, so you have a very fully loaded resume. So what Thanks. I'm going to ask you to do is give our viewers, you know, a, a boiled down version of, hey, what was your now? Where did you make the turning point to have all these wonderful achievements? Like, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit. We like to hear the bumps and the lumps so that we know we're on the right path and it doesn't all show up on day one. Okay, so... Usually I tell a particular story about how I was in corporate America and, and, and whatnot, but I'm not going to tell that story today. I usually tell that story and it's very relevant, but I'm going to share another story that I don't usually normally share on other shows. Um, this is what they call like a exclusive, right? It is. Yeah, go. you're getting this. <laughs> yeah, it was one of these stories. It's really important, but I don't talk about it because I never thought it was important. Does that make makes sense? total sense. Awesome. Yeah. And so recently I was like, oh yeah, well that happened to me, you know? So here's what happened. I was always taught that I was to be an employee. Like that was it. <laughs> Nothing more exciting than that. Uh, you go get a job, period, end of conversation. Um, 
you are for corporate America. That's how that goes. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty much yeah. my my upbringing. Okay, or yeah. really my upbringing. If you got a little deeper, it was like go get a job until you get married. Yeah, <laughs> go get is- a good job until you get a good husband. Okay, right, exactly. Gotcha. Southern Bell. That's what I was taught. Nothing more yeah. extravagant than that. No career planning beyond that. Okay. So um, I went and got a job, and I usually tell the whole story about how I actually ended up living in Orlando. But I'm going to jump over because okay. I'm in Orlando. I'm now working for the largest seminar company in the country. I'm traveling the country. I'm around motivational speakers. This is kind of where I got my start, but I don't tell this one piece. I'm traveling the country doing motivational, working with motivational speakers. This is where I met Dan Kennedy and uh, John Carlton and Joe Sugarman and all these like amazing, Marshall Silver, Robert Allen Institute. This is all back in like 99, 2000, 2001 to 2006. And I'm traveling. Now, what the difference is, what I usually tell the story is that I was working for a company. So I was working for the largest seminar company in the country. So even though I was around all these amazing motivational speakers and entrepreneurs and really cool stuff, I was still an employee. You know what I mean? Right. It just was kind right. of cool to be around a bunch of celebs, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't really talk about this part. So I was an employee um, learning the business of direct response and speaking and whatever that was. I, again, my family didn't grow me into that. So it was super cool. And around these like mini celebrities and authors and cool stuff like that. So here's what happened. Here's actually the transition. And I okay. seriously don't talk about this ever. So I was so an employee okay. and I was traveling and I traveled every week. Now let me get, explain what this looked like. I was literally every week, 50 weeks out of the year, Sunday through Wednesday, got on a plane, went to a city. We did the presentation six times, got back on the plane, went home, crashed, did laundry, got back. Boom, 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 boom. And it was all over the country. Yeah. And I traveled with all men. So we had a speaker who was a guy always. And then like the crew, which was me and like usually two or three guys. And when I mean we traveled together, I'm talking like, you know, in the minivan, breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything, minus sleeping in the same room. Like it was pretty much around them farting all of it okay Okay. like they did not care (laughs) these are four brothers i never think i I never wanted okay okay so at the time i I was young i didn't understand the dynamics and i didn't have any brothers and so i i got hit on which was call it that by the my well not my boss right my the speaker that i was you know, working for, but he wasn't my boss. So he hits on me and I say no. But at the time I didn't know how to say no in a way that didn't upset them, I guess. So I did what I thought I was to do as a good employee. Okay. And I went to HR because that's what you're told to do when I work for a big company. Right. And I thought I was being the good little girl and they'd be done. Well, a week later I get called into the HR office and I'm giving, if you're not, if you're listening in audio, I'm, I'm doing the like quotes, air quotes, people insert air air quotes quotes in your mind. (laughs) Yeah. Just think air quotes, the HR people. And they were told you are no longer an employee. You're now a contractor. And I was like, what does that mean? Am I fired? They're like, no, you're called a 1099. I'm like, well, well, why? Oh, well, we just feel it's best. Okay. Well, what they were doing was covering their butt that I can't sue them. Right. I'm young. I don't know. And so I figured everyone's having this, all my colleagues, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so then they try to play it up that like, oh, well, you know, this is great. You can, you know, have a 
LLC. And I'm like, what's that? And, you know, you can have, do your own taxes. I'm like, what do you mean? And like, (laughs) you know, I'm so confused. Right. I call my dad and none of that sounds sounds like fun. (laughs) It sounds cool. Right. But I call my dad. I'm like, I don't understand. And he's like, well, they're covering their butt. I'm like, well, well, why? And you know, I'm young. That's actually how I moved into entrepreneurship. That's actually how I learned what 1091 was and how I learned LLCs and how you start your own company. And there's this thing called consulting. You can take your knowledge and you can actually sell to other people. Like that is how I was thrown into it. And it, at the time I was literally freaked because I felt like I was being demoted. Now they didn't change my pay right? They didn't change my schedule. It was very legal because they still forced me to go at certain dates and times. And that's a, that's the definition of employee. Right. Right. But, and they were just using it so that I couldn't sue and all whatever the, you know, this is way for me to movement. Okay. So I didn't understand that, but people look at it. Like I just made this big leap that I like one day was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. No, it was, We still want you to work for us and same pay, but we're going to force you into this thing called 1099 and have fun. And now you have no benefits. You have nothing. And I didn't even know what a sole entrepreneur was. I had no idea what a contractor was or freelancer was. My whole life, I worked for companies, like big companies, like Fortune 500 companies. What do you mean on benefits? And where's my 401k? And how does this thing work? And what's a W4 and W9? It's kind of like you're cut loose. Like now the kite is flying in the sky with an anchor. Yeah. Yeah. And so then people are like, oh, well, this is great. You're a 1099. I'm like, well, what does that mean? They go, well, you can take your knowledge that you're literally, you, you know, learning from the largest seminar company in the country. And you now can, you're for hire you're available for hire. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, well, I'm going to give you $2,000 to tell me what you guys are doing. And I'm like, can I do that? And they're like, well, yeah, you're 1099. You actually have no legal obligation to them. I'm like, so I can like tell other speakers what we're doing that don't work for the company and they can't, like, I can do that. And they're like, yeah. So, and my, here's my point. My point is, is like, I never, sometimes I talk to people and they had this like desire to be an entrepreneur. I didn't have that. Oh yeah. I was just, you are now an entrepreneur. (laughs) You know what? That's a really, you know what? I love that. And I love your honesty and I love your freshness with the story. And I can tell by the way you're telling it, you're right. You you don't tell this a lot. We really No, I don't. Usually I'm pretty good polished on my stories, but this one's very raw. I want to thank you for your sincerity and and your rawness about it because too often you see these stories and you hear all these stories like, oh, I left corporate America. I was making all this money and I made this choice and I'm brave and I jumped in and look where I am now. And no. Very, yeah. <laughs> and then you don't hear that. Well, it really kind of wasn't my choice. I kind of got and pushed I off the boat. Up, like, yeah. And after choking and swallowing some water, I started to learn how to swim rather quickly. So I do really appreciate it. And that's why I want this podcast because there's too many times where you hear these glorified examples oh, of God. success that are, are sort of watered down. And so what you're saying is you had this job, you, yes, you were in corporate America and the rules of engagement had changed. And then you started to find out, oh, okay. So now with these new rules, all right, can I wiggle in here? Can I wiggle in there? And that's how it started for you. Yeah. It really is. And I, 
I'm a big believer. It really is. And even with the situation with, and then, and then I had to deal with things like when I got back to the quote unquote group, you know, I was an ounced talk about me too movement. Right. So I was definitely ounced by them and I didn't know how to handle that. I didn't know how to handle that. This guy that he was a 1092, the speaker. So he didn't yeah. think it work for the company. So how do you handle that? I was being ounced by the group. Uh, I was being thrown under the bus every five minutes. I was sexually harassed. I was, I'd be, I'd be in the middle of the van and they, all of them would just be like literally da- not picking on me, like telling me I was a piece of shit. And I didn't know how to handle any of this. And I think people see me now, like yesterday as someone go, hey, but you're strong and you're this and you're that. I'm like, you have to get where I came from, you know, who I was at one point in my life. It's only, I'm, I'm strong now because I had been through fire and right. fire and fire and fire and fire and fire. And then I'm like, oh, now with people, men, it doesn't matter. I, I'm toe to toe. Don't, uh-uh, no, no, you know, and they don't talk to me that way or they leave, you know, but that's, they saw me in one instance yesterday and how I handled something. And they're like, oh my God, I, so many people can't do that. I'm like, I couldn't either 20 years ago. Right. You know, I couldn't handle a, a consulting client like I do now. I couldn't handle that. I had no clue what a consultant was 20 years ago. I didn't want to be a consultant. I wanted to be a great employee, you know? So I think one of the challenges with our marketplace is that people have this, like, I had corporate America and I left corporate America because I jumped off in this beautiful world called coaching and consulting. And then from there, I'm now the success. I call F, you know, horse, uh, whatever you want to call it, BS, whatever, because it's not true on many most cases yeah um, yeah majority of the true true entrepreneurs and i am one of them true entrepreneurs is that we are if you look d- deep enough we are usually people that are outcasted from corporate america yeah or pushed off the rails or whatnot now years later i went back to corporate america or tried i call it you know um I'm now 100% unemployable, like beyond. <laughs> so I went back and I lasted 90 days. And the guys who uh, fired me, quote unquote, uh, my boss and my boss's boss, my boss's boss, they literally brought me into the room and said, like, we like you. Like, we like you. You're cool. You're totally awesome. You're actually making your numbers, but like, you're unemployable. Like, you just don't follow the corporate rules. I'm like, no. And they're like, you got to go. You just got to go do something on your own. And that was a compliment. That's when you know you're in the right place. That's when you know you're an entrepreneur, right? right. When you try to go back into an old structure, it's like going back to high school. Like we all had yeah, great yeah, times in high school, yeah. but I'm not going to go back, you yeah. know? So, or go stay with your parents for a month and see how that works out. <laughs> right. Like it was great junior high, but like, and I'm yeah. good now, you know? So, so yeah, you get it. So let me jump in then here. And so what I want to hear, and I think that's great. I do think it's refreshing because as I said, I hear that all the time and you're like, I think there's more to that story because I'm a big believer that there's always a story behind the story behind the story. Yes. And it's never that fluid and there's always, okay, that didn't really happen. Like, I think we're missing some details that would make this a little bit more less one-sided. So I do really appreciate you sharing that with everyone. So let's talk about now, we're speaking to entrepreneurs you know, at different levels. So yeah. give us some lessons that you learned, you know, what would be your top three lessons of, you know, maybe those first five years and where you can be helping other people as they're sort of trying to find their way now. Okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, I failed a lot. 
Um, and I failed a lot by taking actions and taking a lot of actions and not knowing if the actions were right or not and just making decisions and making choices and then making more decisions and making choices and tweaking. And it's a question that I get asked a lot and it's similar to like asking a, um, an Olympic medalist, Mm -hmm. you know, what was your path? And I think all of them have crazy paths. It is not a one way path. It's not linear. It is massively convoluted. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned, it, it's a, it's a more of a spiritual lesson. And I, I've read this in other autobiographies from other successful people in life, like uh, Michael Jordan and whatnot, that who he thought he was is who he is, is an athlete. Like that's his embodiment. Like right. he embodies athlete. So it doesn't matter if he's on the basketball field or I think he went to baseball for a while field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's still playing a game, right? Yeah. Now he plays golf or whatever. It's still a game. That's the same thing for an entrepreneurship. When you're an entrepreneur, it's like an embodiment of it. And so it doesn't matter what business you're playing. You could be doing real estate investing. You could be doing consulting. consulting. You could be all of a sudden building a SaaS software, but you're being an entrepreneur, as long right. as you're playing the game. I mean, that's right. honestly the first piece. So what happens, I think the mistake, which I think is your question, is the mistake is trying to put yourself in a box or anyone, not you, but specifically anyone. I'm a consultant. I'm a coach. I'm uh, an investor. Yeah. I'm a web developer. I'm a blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you're an entrepreneur. Right. And you know, that's a really great point because I think of that all the time uh, when I do a lot of coaching with people about, you know, building a rock star team and productivity and all that stuff. And the first thing I always hear from people is, oh, but my business is different. And I'm like, it's kind of like maybe your family's different, but a family's a family's a family. You know, yeah. whether you have same sex parents, different parents, uncles raising you, there's fi- family dynamics. And so I always find it entertaining when people tell me, well, you don't understand my business is different. And I'm like, okay, there are rules of a playbook and rules of engagement for being a business person or entrepreneur. And they're not that different. You're, you know, it's it, like you said, it's a sport, but a different game. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really valid point And one that uh, people use sort of as a, you know, a crutch too often. So well said, very good. Thanks. What would be number two? That's like, that was like one and two, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I, um, I, the, the big one of it is a who you are is, an yeah. entrepreneur, who you are is an, a business owner, um, and who you are is, is, is an athlete. That's a that's really key piece. The next one I think would be is um, be careful who you associate with. So um, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer kind of thing and know who your friends and enemies are. Who are the people in your life that are pulling you up and pulling you down? The way that I'd like to describe it visually and is... I'm walking, this is just a visual, right? So imagine yeah. yourself that you're on um, Bourbon Street in New Orleans. That's fun. And you're walking down Bourbon Street. And if you've ever been to Bourbon Street, at least seeing pictures of it, you see that there's all these balconies like outside. Right. It's kind of a unique place. And then there are these gutters. They have a lot of gutters there. And it's kind of disgusting. The gutters are gross. But they have a lot of gutters and they have all these balconies. So when you're walking down Bourbon Street, People are either, you know, on the balconies or not. And this is what you do. You imagine yourself walking down Bourbon Street and everyone in your life is there, like all of it, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. And 
you just kind of let them place themselves and they'll either place themselves on the balcony cheering you on. Right. Or they're going to place themselves in the gutter pulling at your heels. Right. And sometimes your closest people are pulling at your heels. The people that you want so badly to be in the balcony, they're just not, you know? That is, yeah. That's That's, really interesting to me. And I think I especially don't talk about that enough because you know what? I have to say that I was been beyond blessed. Like I have cheerleaders upon cheerleaders and, and it's just crazy. The right from the get go, I had this almost to a fault where my husband would be my biggest fan. And I think he thought, he thought I could do anything. So at sometimes you'd be like, I guess I better figure this out. Cause he thinks this is going to be a roaring success. So I was so lucky, but then I was out in the entrepreneur world and I would hear people have these complaints where, you know, their spouse was acting like, well, you could go do it cause you're home all day. You know, well, no, I'm trying to work. Right. And so there was this whole, you don't have a real job. You have more time than I do. And that they always came second in a ranking as far as, you know, you should step up and do this. So I do think that is a really important thing that I know, you know, I, I don't talk about enough cause it was just not my reality. I was so super lucky, but it is a real pain point for a lot of entrepreneurs and, Oh yeah. Where do you go with that? Right. So that's a really good point. And one of um, mine, one of my mini nagging at my heels kind of ones is my, um, I don't talk to him, but my uncle, um, who I don't talk to really. And it was early on in this stage of my entrepreneurship. And uh, I get this phone call one day, this is within the first three years. Okay. And I get this call from my uncle. And I guess I don't talk to him. So it's one of those like, Oh my God, someone died, you know? Like, oh my God, my uncle's calling me. Like someone's in the hospital. So I answer the phone like in panic. Like, is my mom okay? You know, at the time she's still around. And he's like, no, she's fine. I'm like, is grandma okay? Yeah, she's fine. Okay, well then what's up? What's wrong? What's up? It's not Christmas. What's going on? And he's like, well, your mom called me. And I'm like, okay, what's wrong? You know, and so he said, well, she told me that you're an entrepreneur. And I said, yeah, okay. And he goes, well, you know, women don't do that. Oh, very good. <laughs> and I go, excuse me? He's like, oh, I don't know what you're doing, but your mom's freaked out. Stop doing it. Go get a job. Well, why? Because I'm an entrepreneur. I go, by the way, uncle, aren't you like one of the largest investors in Arkansas and a bit entrepreneur for 15 years? Yeah, but I'm a man. Oh, well, okay. somebody, sh- somebody should tell Chanel. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> you know what? That does remind me though. I know when I was at this crossroads where I had a part-time uh, business and then a full-time job and what they were both starting to make, I was not doing either well at this point. So I had to make a choice. And I always thought, well, I can always come back and get a job, whatever. And when I was leaving my job, I don't know how many people said to me, but why don't you wait to retirement? You, you, you get such a pension. And I'm like, retirement is 30 years away. I am supposed to sit on the sidelines for 30 years to st- and then get all excited that I'm in the game. Like who, like that's nuts, right? It, it, it's not even like retirement was three years. And I don't even think you should wait three years if now you're inspired. But I'm talking, it was a good 35 years away. And I'm like, and I heard that a fair amount of times, like from people out and about, not close friends or family, but but just people like making general conversation. Oh, I would really wait to retirement. Like, you know, how many? What? 35. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Know. You know, one thing I learned, here's my third one I, I learned. And this is a, this is a little bit, I'll be share the story as long as I can, but this is a really good one. It's one I don't share either, but 
it's so pertinent to what you just said. If you don't mind, if I share, are no, you okay go with that? Ahead. Okay. Honored. So I, um, and I share this story all the time. So I'm not going to go into it. I, I went through massive bankruptcy and I lost everything and I ended up, um, living in Marco Island. So if you want to share that, hear that story, you're welcome to find that. So somewhere, it's somewhere, but I'm living on Marco Island. I'm living on this guy's couch. And, um, <clears throat> he was very anti me be entrepreneur. He wanted me to go become a waitress as fast as possible. <laughs> I'm and all this stuff. He's, he's just anti what I did is thought it was stupid and ridiculous. And see, look at you, you're broken. Had nothing to do with that. It was 2008 and everyone was broke. Okay. Yeah. So, um, here I am on, on, I'm in Marco Island. Now, what you get about him is he was government employee, worked for the FAA for like 25 years and he got his retirement and he left DC FAA and moved to Marco Island with his dream, you know, the whole thing, the shebang and the, the 401k and the whole thing. And he gets down there and he puts all his money into this house. This right on the intercoastal. It's gorgeous, right in Marco Island. And um, it was like $500,000. And so I move in around 2009 to the market still going crazy, right. 2000 and 2010. And he's making fun of me because my house, house went under and all that. Yeah, It's now 2009, it's now 2009, 10. His house goes flips and goes from like five hundred to two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, he loses everything, and so he's, you know, he finally kind of has this aha, and he says to me, you know, I don't understand this whole entrepreneur thing that you do, but the one thing that I can some have some respect for is that you don't have to have a job to make money, right. you know, like there was something yeah. about that, and he said, um, he was basically about to drown, and he said, I'm going to give you a little bit of money. He's I want you to get the heck out of Dodge, one way ticket, you know, go West young man kind of thing and go to Austin and go like live your life. And I did, I took the money that I, that he did. He goes, you really belong to be an entrepreneur. He goes, I do not understand it. I do not get it. It makes zero sense to me. It's ridiculous that you can make money online. I do not understand it. It fathomly, but somehow you, you do. So go. And I, here's a person that he just doesn't understand it, but it's such a beautiful lesson to understand that when you have entrepreneurship under your belt, there is a sense of power that no matter what's going on with the marketplace, no matter what's going on with the economy, you have the ability and the mindset to make money. You're not relying on quote unquote jobs, right? Right. That's a really key piece that- I think that's very profound. We can play that with a Rocky montage. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. We don't have a lot of time left because you've been so wonderful. And those have been some really powerful stories with some deep lessons that I think are really going to resonate with me for quite some time. So I'm really glad that you shared them. Now we talked for just a second before we hopped on this call and I asked you something and I said, you know, what, what's the one thing you'd want to tell people? Cause you've got so much marketing experience and it's going back a while. And yeah, the world was like a mysterious place in 2008, as far as making magical money online. And you said to me, market what you got. Can you just tell me in a couple of minutes what that would look like, you know, for our audience? Because I think that's a really, I mean, that's like got milk. I think that's a powerful statement. Market Isn't it? What you got. It's yeah, so you good. Should you should have t-shirts. I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> I think I will. Um, so what the concept means, it's a knowledge-based society. And the knowledge-based business is, they say, between 200 to $250 billion. I, you know, who knows? Yeah. And really what knowledge-based business means is you're taking your knowledge or information 
and you're actually selling that. Now that could be in this construct called coaching consulting. It could be as a lawyer and you're giving advice. It could be as an accountant and you're giving services, okay? But either way, it's the knowledge base. And one of the challenges I think a lot of people come up against is they don't know, they put themselves in that box again. And I'm like, just market what you have. You know, maybe your body's rocking and you just freaking are an IFBB pro NBC, NPC person. You want to do nutrition, fine. Market what you have, like market what you're already doing, right? right. Versus trying to create some other weird thing that doesn't make sense. Okay. Yeah. So that honestly is the true essence of what I think my 20 years experience in business has been, which is market you and yeah and you've heard that before but then people go well then who am i you know it, yeah, it yeah. creates a another question then it's like market what you have yeah market what you have yeah i think that is quite powerful and i am shocked every day when i run into people with different skill sets that you know like grandma selling how to knit online and making all kinds of money with a little handheld video. And then I always, one of my jokes I always tell people is, well, you kind of, you know, when you're learning something, you have to implement it. Cause I used to always make this joke that you can't learn how to swim on the internet until I found this lady I spoke to a few weeks ago who said, no, no, she's building a course to teach people how to swim on the internet. So I don't know how that's going to work, but she seems pretty confident. So she must have a technique. So yeah, market where you got, start where you're at, right? Absolutely. Mark well, that is have. super profound and a really great place for us to unfortunately wrap up because I must admit, I think we could talk to you for hours. This We could have this as like a <laughs> one of those Netflix docu-series, 10 yes. parts, right? <laughs> so yeah, I thanks for think, having me. Thank you. Oh, no, it's awesome. I, I could do this all day with you. So tell us, where can people find you and your just massive wisdom and your really amazing presence? So heatherhavenwood.com. Uh, welcome okay. to go there. I'm on all social medias under Heather Havenwood, including Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. I'm big on LinkedIn. And of course, Facebook and gotcha. Amazon. So go to any of those locations as well as podcast, uh, Spotify, Roku, Pandora. Just type in Heather Havenwood and you will gotcha. find me. That's Heather Haven, like the Haven, but with the H-A-V-E-N and wood, <laughs> Haven Wood. Awesome. Okay, so you got it. The lady that's teaching us how to be online and have an omnipresence is online with an omnipresence. So just keep yes. her name and you will find her wherever you are at. That's All right, right, thank you again, Heather. This has been amazing. I really do appreciate your just your openness and your generosity with your stories and your information. And I think for, I know for myself, and I'm sure for my listeners, this has been hugely profound. So we do appreciate you and we thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed our show, please do leave a review. Right now we are giving away a free audio version of Win the Hour, Win the Day, valued at $15, but we know people that's worth more than that because it could help you eliminate 80% of your to-do list and 100% of your guilt. So until our next show, thank you again for joining us. 